Community Players Podcast Standby. Places, please. Hosts and guests, places, please. House lights, go. Hold, please. We are holding. Welcome to Places, Please, a podcast from Community Players Theater in Beatrice, Nebraska, and the fourth episode of our special mini-series, Hold, Please, where we connect with past players from around the country and from throughout the organization's history. I'm Jamie Ulmer, Managing Artistic Director here at the theater. This week is like one of those episodes of Doctor Who where the Doctor meets up with one of their past regenerations. You see, we're chatting with Mary Luca Thyberg, who was the artistic director for several years beginning in 1986. She joined us from her home in Omaha, where she remains extremely active in the theater scene there. She and I have known each other for several years because, well, the theater world is a surprisingly small place. And through our conversation, we actually discovered a few more similarities. We had fun catching up. In fact, we had been chatting and testing the microphone connection for several minutes before I suddenly remembered, hey, I should probably start recording this. Enjoy this week's interview. So once upon a time, Maria, thank you for joining us, first of all. Um, you sat where I am now as Community Players Artistic Director. When was that and how long were you with us? Oh my, you know how the beginning of Star Trek works? You know, many in a galaxy far, far <laughs> yes. away. Yes. That's kind of what it was. I was there between 1986 and 1988 full time. And then in 1988, I went back to school at UNL to start my MFA in directing. And um, I sort of shared the season with my husband who directed. And then I did tech and he'd direct and vice versa. But we were done in 89, and then I went back to school full-time to finish my MFA at UNL. However, we remained in Beatrice because my husband's working at Blue Valley Mental Health, and Steve continued to perform at CP. He was in Bus Stop and Mantle Matcha after that before we moved. Oh, Okay. So, so you, you you struggled to to escape there. <laughs> well, no, actually, it was we really loved living in Beatrice in so many ways. And I could, I lived with a friend in Lincoln, and then I'd come home weekends or whatever middle of the week, whenever it was, you know, drive back and forth. That that trip became very familiar to me. But in '92, when I finished my graduate degree. I started to work at the Nebraska Theater Caravan in Omaha. So Steve got a job in Omaha. So there you go. Yeah. Well, so what do you remember most about your time here at Community Players? Are, are there particular shows or memories that, that really stand out for you? Well, one of the things we were just chatting before we started is I love that space. And when I moved into that space, I was probably not as kind an artistic director as you because I loved <laughs> the fact that we could rearrange the seating. So one of the things I loved is we did Hello, Dolly! and Thrust and Cinderella and Thrust. And we did a couple shows in the round. And I kept, oh, let's do an angle thing for this. And so I really loved that. I know it was horrible to do to people. And we yeah. moved those seats <laughs> all the time. But I did love that. And I think one of my other fond, fond memories is CP really gave me my first chance to flex my creative muscles, not only as a director, but as a designer, which I know you do a lot of designing, mm -hmm. a costumer, and a scenic artist. Um, and 
you know, I wasn't a lighting designer like you were when I came. So I had a quick crash course in lighting design. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, and, and as far as shows go, they were so impactful. Every show I did there, I worked with so many amazing people, people who were instrumental in starting CP, um, like Virginia and Cecil and, and uh, oh, Judy Knowles and Maggie Doyle mm -hmm. and Sandy Nicely and, Oh, Steve Shively, who's not there anymore, and, and Gary, and uh, just hundreds of people. And then people would walk in off the street. It was amazing. Um, yeah. So I think those are the big things I remember. Yeah, that that is one of the really uh, strong assets, I think, of an, an organization like Community Players is the ability to give you creativity oh. um, and, and, and this space uh, really forces you to be creative. Like when I first uh, walked into the space, when I was interviewing for this job, I was kind of like, oh, this is the space. <laughs> um, and then you discover everything you can do with it. And, uh, uh, you know, and the, the dreaded thing is, you know, moving the seats for us right now. But uh but shh, don't tell anyone, but I really think I'm going to move the seats next season. Oh my gosh, they're going to have a heart attack, Jerry. Yeah. I know, I know. But it's really, well, it's kind of, it's also an exciting opportunity for the audience because it was so amazing to be able to be so close to an audience. When we did, um, we did uh, see how they run, you know, we used the, the, uh, Oh, I made those actors run all the way underneath the stage and back up. I don't know if you can do that anymore. Underneath the whole seating and back up to the other right. side. Right. Yeah. There's still that stair that stairway. Yeah. Uh, we're not using it currently in, in the seating arrangement just because the the seats are on top of it. Yes. Um, but yeah, that option is still there. Yeah. That was, I mean, I know actors hated me, but it was so fun. You know, it was just so amazing to have them appear from nowhere there and, and be able to use that. So yeah, it's. It is exciting when I think limitations uh, make you be more creative. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, and and you can be really surprised at what you come up with. And and we were talking before we recorded about ways you can, you know, utilize technology more and more oh, in, yes. into productions. Yeah. Uh, with with video projections and and lighting and and just all kinds of neat little tricks that that even just five years ago weren't available to us as, as directors. Oh, it's, yeah, it, the, the whole design world has totally changed and I think freed up the, the director to be more flexible in how they create their stage pictures and tell their story. Um, so uh, you, you kind of mentioned a bunch of the shows uh, that you did while here. Are there any, is there a show that maybe is your fondest memory? I know that's, I always tell people when they ask me that question, it's like asking a parent to pick their favorite child. It's they always exactly have one, true. but they won't say which one it is. It's exactly true. Um, I, I think I have a couple. Can I do more than one? Oh, absolutely. Well, uh, like there's no you... rules to this podcast. We're making this up as we go along. <laughs> like you said, uh, my first show there was so exciting because I was finally in total control of every element of what I was doing. I had worked as a freelance director, you know, and done a lot of things, but I usually worked underneath, like at Lincoln Community Playhouse, there was always an artistic director, even though you're a guest artist, you had certain rules and 
And this time it was like, I can do anything I want. So Crimes of the Heart was my first show there. And I adored that. It was a great show. Working And Terry Terhune built my you know, working sink and, and working with Terry, who'd been there forever. But the, my three, my three sisters, Judy and, oh gosh, Judy and Maria Luisa. And, oh, I can't remember. Let's see my, my brain. I'm so sorry. Oh no, that's fine. And, and, and having that opportunity to create at a whole show, all, this is what was my vision. That was so exciting. And then to have it so well received by the by CP that made me feel like, okay, they're not going to kill me and they're not going to fire me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, and then um, the first summer show I did, it was different back then. We used to do a show in uh, as part of the summer festival there. Uh, Part of Homestead Days. Homestead Days. So we did Wild Oats that year which was a strange little show, which is so politically incorrect now. I could never do it. But it was about a touring theater company and it had barroom brawls and bottles broken over people's heads and uh, all kinds of crazy things. And um, I had the head of the Chamber of Commerce was in it, the head of the guy at who worked uh, at the hospital as... Uh, they had a physical plant. I mean, I had entire community people who would never have walked on stage. We got them mm. on stage in that. And it was a great experience. And it was so fun to do that particular show, which we did in Thrust, which was fun. And um, Foxfire was Cecil and Virginia. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, was, can't, I can only imagine how how wonderful that show was. It was just ripped your heart out but the other part of it was so fun is we had to create a uh bluegrass band and bruce knowles just kind of stepped up and we pulled a kid from the high school and played violin and said hey can you learn to fiddle and we put up (laughs) we made a little recording studio in there and they were wonderful it was that that kind of community pulled together oh i gotta have this you know Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so those two are very fond memories yeah, uh, it, it, it's interesting that you mentioned about, um, uh, oh, I just lost the name of it. You just said it, the the summer show that you did. Foxfire um, or Wild Oats. Foxfire. Yeah, yeah, Fox. yeah. Uh, Wild Oats. <clears throat> uh, because uh, for a long time, one of the flats from that was hanging on the ceiling in Gibbs Bar. Oh, sure. Because Gib did Gibb the bar back painted. for us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember going into that bar for the first time. Uh, and looking up at the ceiling, I was like, well, that looks like a flat. <laughs> and and then come to find out that Gibb had painted it. And he, uh, he, he told some stories about that. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> he was he was a grand. I learned a lot about scenic art, uh, artistry from him. But for Wild Oats, Sandy nicely painted, painted flats and Gibb painted, painted flats and John Baker painted, painted flats. Hmm. And they were all stunning. Yeah. And that's how we changed set. I mean, we we just went from locale because we did it like we were a touring company in the late 1800s, and so it was delightful. And then, uh, and then at the last minute, I had to have something that would cover something up, and so I went, "Well, if they can paint, maybe I can too." <laughs> <laughs> um, you'll find that one no longer exists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
um so uh talk uh for for our listeners here um talk about your life after you left beatrice you know i'm sure you've done a few things since then oh well a few you know um i finished my mfa in directing at lincoln and while i was doing that i was also a teaching artist with what's called the aesthetic education program arts are basic so i did both of those while i was in lincoln and then i also guest directed at lincoln community playhouse for a while while i was there um, then after I finished that, I got a job with the Nebraska Theater Caravan. I was there for 10 years, and I freelanced with Omaha Key Playhouse and the Symphony and Bellevue Little Theater, and I directed with the Caravan besides doing my... I started as education coordinator and then became the artistic director, and then I was the managing director, and then I went, wait, I'm not Jamie Ulmer. This is not what I meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, and so I went back to teaching uh, I had taught before, so I went back to teaching, and I taught for 16 years at Bellevue West. And now I retired in 2017 from that, and I'm a teaching artist for Omaha Performing Arts, Disney Musicals, and Schools. I continue to do some directing at Bellevue Little Theater. I'm a teaching artist from Nebraska Arts Council, and um, I'm also on the board of Bellevue Little Theater. So huh? I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be so when I grow up. Yeah. So, you know, you uh, you haven't just uh, kicked back and uh, been eating bonbons and enjoying a, Although a my husband quiet, ac- boring retirement. My husband <laughs> accused, me, accused me of that, but I really don't eat bonbons. What I do is I binge watch old sitcoms. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure there is a lot of binge watching going on right now. Oh, uh, I'm sure. All over the place. <laughs> What's, what I'm so amazed at is how much wonderful stuff, uh, recorded live theater productions that are being made available on so many places. And oh, I'm mm-hmm. excited about the idea that you guys might do that as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, the this podcast will come out uh, on the 16th and on the 15th. We're actually going to be putting out uh, a recording, a live recording of one of our shows oh, uh, that exciting. we did last year. Oh, which so, one? Yeah. Um, it was a, an original show that Tyler wrote for our acting up program uh, called Last Ticket Out of Thistleberry Thicket. Uh, and you know, we could do it because we own, own the, the rights. rights. So. Yes, perfect. And Thistleberry Thicket has such lovely alliteration. Yeah, yeah. He comes up with some great titles for his shows. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, you know, of course, theater people can never really retire. Um, you've continued to direct, like you were saying. Um, what have you been working on recently? And once all the world returns to normal, um, do you have a project um, coming up on, on your agenda? Well, let's see. Uh, 2019 was really busy for me. I did She Loves Me in Our Town. I worked as a teaching artist and did Beauty and the Beast at a middle school here in town. And I did Jungle Book with an elementary, Sunny Slope Elementary, through the Omaha Performing Arts, Disney Musicals, and Schools. So that was plenty for me. I was like, how did I do this? This is exhausting. Um, I had kind of set aside the, this time to figure out what was going to happen in next season, but theater here in Omaha is very up in the air right now. Nobody really knows what's going to be happening. We're hoping to be able to open our seasons in the fall, but, um, you know, uh, summer's pretty much gone out the window now. So hmm. not really sure what's going to happen. We'll see what we'll see. I mean, it'll be in. I'll have to keep you updated because yes, yes. Right now, <laughs> maybe this is the time I sit down and do all that writing I intend to do. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, everyone is uh, writing the great American novel right now, so well, the publishing world is going to be blessed with so oh, yes. many oh, my new God. novels in, yeah. in six months. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Mine will not be a novel, however. You know, yeah. I don't know what it will be. Maybe it'll just be lists, lists of cool things, a book of lists. There used to be a yes. thing like that. Yeah, maybe yeah. I'll find a book of lists. So uh, I think we all have uh, memories of shows or events which sparked our interest. Some would say obsession with theater. <laughs> um, how and when were you first bitten by the theater bug? You know, people ask me that question. And as long as I've been in theater, I don't have a great answer for that. I think mostly for me, it was opportunities in school. You know, I was very blessed to be able to have certain opportunities while I was in school and teachers, you know, back, it was a big deal, you know, when you got to do a play when you were in high school, in, in elementary school or something. And, um, but I think it was mostly um, the tour, two things. We, uh, South Dakota used to have a touring program that would bring shows, I think it was South Dakota Rep or something, and would bring them to our little town in Western South Dakota. And I remember seeing Star Spangled Girl and a couple of, uh, maybe it was Barefoot in the Park, some of those classics by these actors who would tour to our, our little town and thinking, that's just amazing stuff. That is mm -hmm. so cool. I And then when I was in high school, um, we had a very good uh, program. And my junior year, they changed our English program where we didn't have to do full year classes anymore. We had nine week or semester options. So I said, I hate science. So I'm going to take a million English credits. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got to take Shakespeare's comedies, Shakespeare's histories. I took a, uh, a, uh, a couple acting classes. I took a design class. I took all this wonderful uh, opportunities that just, I was very comfortable in the book part of theater. And um, then added to that was the opportunity to, we did at least two or three shows a year in my high school. And I, you know, I played lots of weird, quirky things. I was the weird, quirky actor. And, um, <laughs> and uh, so I think that sort of solidified it. But even when I went to college, I thought I'm way too practical. I cannot, I cannot study this. This is not something that's going to be a living for me. So I was going to be an elementary education teacher. And then you know, when you're signing up for classes and somebody said, oh, but you should become a music major and you could teach music and then you could do this. And then the theater department said this. And after a year in college, that's when it really got me. I went, okay, I'll be practical. I'll be a teacher, but I'm going to go and get these BFAs and stuff anyway, just in case. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I think it was just a build for me, but I think it was all, I, that's why education is so important and the programs that you're doing there for kids are so important because even if you don't do it for a living, like I've had the opportunity to do either as a designer, a director, a performer, an educator, I think it's such a blessing to have as an outlet for your life. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a great way to, to describe the, the, the impact and how important, uh, theater education programs can really be for people. And and it's it's interesting that as you were kind of talking about your theatrical origin story, um, 
uh, how much of like what you were saying actually I, I was thinking oh, that parallels me quite a bit too uh, because my uh, school had a great arts program uh, but we were also every year we were visited by the Nebraska Theater Caravan Yay, uh, and I can remember as a, as a kid seeing those productions um okay and, i have uh, to ask you jamie what's the one you remember the most oh gosh i as soon as i was saying that, i was like she's gonna ask me which <laughs> which one i remember um oh gosh and i and oh. and i'm just drawing a blank right now um oh um there was a production that um they did mystery of edwin drood oh drood uh, was a great show was that not a great show oh. yes it was and i had never seen anything like that before that was and the first I, show i worked on with the caravan yeah it was oh great. well see see that we we are we are like really connected in a bizarre way yes yes <laughs> yes yes um, um because i think i was a freshman in high school maybe and uh because i was a theater kid uh we got out of school that day and got to hang out with the caravan and help with load in and everything um so yeah that was a really memorable and where did you go to school at uh sutton sutton oh yes sutton and sutton was a great place for the caravan to go i really miss that the caravan doesn't get to tour anymore i mean i do too i do too i think that was a valuable program and then uh and i i hadn't realized how unique it was until i went to to college and i went to doan and and Doan was always the first stop on the caravans tour, and then they always went to like Sutton next. And I was yeah. like, oh, <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there you go. I just I'm sorry we segued there, but I I did love that show, and I do love that show, and it was an amazing cast. So many of the people in that cast have gone on to have really great careers. Uh, the lady who played Princess Puffer, Catherine. Catherine Hammond, uh, she now teaches in California, and I don't remember what school, but she was an actor and a director and one of the most creative people I ever worked with. She worked with me in education. She could adapt anything, and she was an incredible performer. But I think it was during that, oh, theater stories, yes, her appendix, no, her gallbladder bladder went bad during during Drew. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. See, these are the things that we remember. Yeah. 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 Well, and you mentioned that I remember her performance uh, oh, and she's... I remember her talking to us high school kids like 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 adults, not treating us like kids. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, and just being really enthralled with her performance in that show. Oh, she was she was a compelling actress. Just anything I ever saw her in. But I loved her as Princess Puffer. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now I understand, speaking of theater education stuff, I understand that you were pretty instrumental in getting the kind of the first version of the educational programming uh, going here in Beatrice. Well, um, that program became the Children's Theater and then it evolved into what we're doing now with Stage Door. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Well, that was just um, before coming to Beatrice, I had worked at, well, I'd started a program at Bellevue Little Theater when I was there um, before we moved to Lincoln where my husband did his graduate work. And then when we were in Lincoln, I worked at the Lincoln Community Playhouse and I worked in their theater education program. And I continued to go back to Lincoln and work with their program. But that was my first introduction into teaching theater, not in a classroom. 
right? Mm -hmm. And it was so exciting. And I did kindergartners. I learned all about how you don't put hats on because of head lice. And (laughs) I learned, there are so many things you learn, right? And, And so when we came to Beatrice, I went, well, I really think this would be great. And we didn't really have anything for kids. So just one August, Steve, my husband, Steve and I, and I think we had a couple other people, we did some program, we did some classes for the kids and we had such a great turnout that I, you know, we decided, well, before we open our fall show, we would try and cram a children's show in there. Mm -hmm. And, and so like you, we, Steve wrote something (laughs) so that we didn't have to pay for anything. And he just was like four little vignettes and we had great turnout and the parents were so thrilled. I I think uh, they were, if memory serves, Bob and Mary fight were very big in, Hey, we want to do this for our kids every year. And Mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. were the ones who stepped up and got the children's theater shows going. Um, And uh, then I think because the children's theater shows were doing, we didn't do children's classes the next summer. I did adult classes. So I just can't help but teach wherever I go. It's my thing. (laughs) It's my thing, you know. Well, that's that's a great thing to to hang on to, though, because people need to always learn. And some people need to learn more than others. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, but all the lessons are mine usually. What? What yeah. did I tell you? I still have, I still have this beautiful piece. One of the women who took, I taught a makeup class the next summer. And one of the women who took it, she was a hairdresser. And uh, she did all these incredible drawings for me of how age worked and, you know, everything I sort of taught them. And it was, mm-hmm. I still have them. I still have them. Yeah. You know, they're just, I look back and go, wow, you know, <laughs> was I really, I know she must have come up with that some other way. Cause I must not have done that. <laughs> <laughs> they're so good, you know? So uh, this is something that uh, we're asking everyone in our little podcast mini series. And, and uh, that is uh, what's a fun, it can only happen in live theater uh, mishap or example of things not going quite as planned. I mean, we all have these kind of, I call them war stories oh, um, always. Of, of theatrical mishaps. So what what is one of your go-to uh, war stories? Well, Cinderella. I had always wanted to do Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella. So I was so excited my second season when the board decided, yes, we would do Cinderella. And it was uh, it was so magical and it was so fun. And of course, at the ending where the prince realizes that Cinderella is the girl, uh, we fogged the floor, you know, and it was just gorgeous. And and we had it thrust up against, uh, it must have been the east wall and and uh, the, the, we had all these backdrops back there. We had, and, and Steve had rigged them so that they were rolled up so that mm-hmm. they would roll up and reveal. And so there's a castle and all this cool stuff. Anyway, so it's the ending scene and there's the beautiful castle and it's all fogged and, and Dick Terhune lifts up Julie uh, Baronic and they do this beautiful turn and he sets her down on the ground. Well, it was the last show and we had all this dry ice and it was a big pain in the neck to get dry ice to Beatrice in those days. And I said, oh, just dump all that dry ice in. Let's just use it all. <laughs> well, two things I hadn't thought of. Number one, in order to make the floor look magical, I had used a sprayer and put acrylic floor wax. And so it created uh, these little sparkly dots everywhere. Yes. And that, and then two, because I skipped chemistry, 
<laughs> I forgot that things like the fog will turn into moisture. So Julie got down and she got ready to run back upstage to the castle and all that thin film of the fog had created a thin film of water. And she had these little plastic shoes that were jellies. Remember those back in those days? Mm -hmm. Those were her, those were her sparkly glass slippers and the jellies hit that water and she just skidded right down on her butt and she went right <laughs> into the back wall and boomed right off the right off the castle <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> oh i know and the best part is i didn't see this till the till the we had we had to video it we had a live feed for scott because the band was up above and and he couldn't see everything so he had a live video feed so mm -hmm. I saw it on the video because I was, we had such a great audience. I was running back there to tell them to do a second curtain call. So I was running underneath <laughs> and I heard about halfway through the basement, I heard the boom right against the wall. <laughs> and I come up on the other side and she just got up and left. But, oh my God, that was, that was just, oh yeah. Yeah. It seems like falling and banging were the biggest things because the other thing is when we did wait until dark. We, we darkened the entire theater and the rehearsals, well, they learned how to do that and how we were going to keep people on stage. Mm -hmm. uh, what was Neil's last name? Neil did several shows with me. I can't remember. Neil was playing Roach and we were doing it in the dark for the first time where all the lights go out and then he opens the refrigerator light. Ta-da! Well, uh -huh. I had it only up. I had the stage up like eight to 12 inches, like one step. And he <laughs> misplaced his foot on the way to the refrigerator and stepped off the edge, oh, which no. of course in the dark was quite a surprise to him. And I was in the booth watching and the show was going great. I mean, this is just a rehearsal show was going great. And then, and then in the darkness out of nowhere comes the loudest expletive deleted <laughs> as he fell off the stage. Yeah, that, that was a good one too. Yeah, <laughs> and oh, and and then the for when we did Foxfire, she has to take the eyes out of a pig head, and Ooh. we we only ran one weekend, so rather than building a head, we got a real pig's head from the butcher shop. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and we kept it frozen until we had you know. And until the last minute, and then we kept it in the refrigerator back there. But by Sunday, that pig's head had a little bit of an odor. And poor oh. Virginia, poor Virginia would have to dig in those and pull something out of the eye socket. You know, it, you know, it was so stinky. It was so horrible by the end of that. But she was a trooper, no matter what. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Those are just a few. You know, there's always a million. There's always oh, a yeah. million. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, well, it, it's really interesting, too, that you mentioned about uh, that production of Cinderella and the drops and everything, because one of those drops is actually still here. Oh, my uh, gosh. Is it the ballroom and, drop? Yeah, it's the ballroom drop. And uh, we've occasionally used it over the years for various productions. Oh, that's uh, that's another thing. Uh, a friend of Steve's, uh, Steve directed a production of Man La Mancha in York, Nebraska. And a guy who was there, who was making money to go to L.A. because he wanted to do... Uh, work with special effects, right? He was a tremendous painter. And so he had painted some stuff for Steve. So we got Cody to come down and stay with us. Now you have to understand, Steve and I lived in a one bedroom apartment in Beatrice. <laughs> 
Yes. And we had during Cinderella, we had Cody staying with us and Greg Thornburg staying with us. And so Cody came down for like a, a week and painted that and the marble steps and all this. So yeah, that's a Cody original, a Cody Pence mm -hmm. original. It's it's one, yeah. And that but John Baker did um uh, a drop for that and Oh, what was her name? She did a drop for Wild Oats too. I don't think she lives in Beatrice anymore. They were beautiful. I'm I'm glad that that still exists. It's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember finding that in the scene shop uh, shortly after I started here, and going, "What is this?" And then unrolling it, I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" One, it's rigged, you know, to to right, right. to roll. Um, and I was like, yay. And then I was like, this is beautiful. And I think the first time we used it, we actually used the op, the reverse side of it. Oh, really? Um, we had, we painted the, the backside of it, uh, to, <laughs> to use as, as the gym in, uh, Music Man. Oh my and then, gosh. And then the next year, uh, we used the other side of it for My Fair Lady for the Embassy Ball. <laughs> That's amazing. I love I love when things like that get used and used and used. Yeah. Yeah. And uh yeah, I am so fond. One of the things that I learned at CP is you don't have to have walls to make a show. You can yeah. do so much with so little. And and I loved that. It was a great lesson. And Music Man made me think of it when I did Music Man here at Bellevue uh West High School. I, we don't have, a, didn't have very large stage or anything. We had no drop. We had no grid, you know, it was a dead hung. So mm -hmm. um, in order to do the library, I decided, wouldn't it be cool if the library shelves could dance? So we painted books on these um, oh, small drops that we put poles on and okay. the kids would move those around and dance. They danced around. It was the coolest thing. Again, oh. painting on, on fabric is one of my favorite things. Yeah. <laughs> and especially when you don't want to have to build giant stuff. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, this has been a really fun conversation. And, and I think you and I could probably chat and, and swap stories for forever. For all yes. morning, yeah. But is there anything else that you would really uh, like to add um, as we kind of wrap things up here today? Well, the only other thing I want to say is I'm really proud to have been a part of the Community Players Legacy. You know, it wasn't very old. I think it was like 10 years old or so when I got there. Yeah, yeah. But they've right. already done so much amazing work. And I'm so thrilled to see how under your tutelage and love and leadership, I mean, I can't come up with it. It has become a hub of creative activity for the whole town. You know, Beatrice is so lucky to have that institution that can do not just theater. Now you are becoming a space for all kinds of performances and you've expanded the educational component and given Beatrice something so few communities of its size have. And that is this tremendous resource for people who want to be audience or actor or designer or a technician or artist or you name it. I, I mean, it's just incredible to me where it's grown. And I'm very proud that maybe I was a little part of that legacy. 
Oh yeah, you were a a big part of that <laughs> legacy, um, and and thank you very much for those those very kind words about the the growth that we've had as an organization. Um, you know, it's it was you know, and really looking back at some of the really creative things that were done back during your time, uh, kind of helped to inspire some of the efforts that we've been doing as well. So yeah, it's it's great how it all it all connects and it all builds together. And, and again, I think that I remember being so proud when I first got that job because besides Lincoln and Omaha, Beatrice was the only one who had a paid position for theater in the state of Nebraska. Yeah. And I thought, yeah. way to go, Beatrice, you know? I, yeah, I, I, when we did an interview with Terry Terhune, our very first episode, we talked about that and how um, community players really cheated uh, when they when they were founded, because you're supposed to wait like ten years or whatever it is before you hire your first employee, and, and when you follow the model of organization development, uh, and the in one meeting they jumped from a stage one theater to a stage four theater, right? Uh, you know, just on their first day. So yes, and 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 I think that that's a gift for longevity they had. You know, there was somebody to coalesce around, and even though. You're probably much better to your volunteers than I was. I like to wear them out. <laughs> but, um, um, you know, uh, Steve Shively still has uh, nightmares about moving the, the seating. But um, uh, it's just a, an amazing opportunity to have a, a, an artist to be able to coalesce around, you know, and, and be able to free the people in the community to be able to be their best selves and not have to take on stuff that that is just too much. Well, I think that's a, a great way for us to wrap up today. Uh, Maria, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out of your quarantine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm so busy today. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have laundry to do, Jamie. I have laundry yeah. to do. <laughs> well, um, can I send you mine? Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Okay. We'll, we'll see about that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I did get a new washer this year, so maybe I should be starting to take in laundry. That's right. Take in laundry. You can be a washerwoman. There you uh, go. I've played a washerwoman before, so there you go. The, yeah, there There's we go. You're already ready to go. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, thank you. For, thank you for thinking of me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and this has been a, a great conversation, and thank you so much for joining us, and uh, best of luck on everything that you're working on. Thank you, and best of luck to you. Once again, thank you to Mary Luca Thyberg for joining us and sharing her fond memories of working here in Beatrice. This podcast is a production of Community Players Theatre in Beatrice, Nebraska. Be sure to follow us during this time on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube with the hashtag HoldPleaseCP. You can help us keep our programming alive by going to our website, BeatriceCommunityPlayers.com, and making a donation, buying CP merch, pre-ordering your 2020-2021 season tickets, or ordering a gift certificate for future productions. Thank you, and stay safe because we want to see you again at the theater. Please stand by, we are continuing to hold.